Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Bros podcast. We are Two Bros. This is the Two Bros podcast. Welcome, welcome. And uh, joined again today as always by Big Brother. Hello sir, welcome. Thank you so much sir. Pleasure to be here. So bro, uh, Christmas is upon us and uh, in any other year this would uh, roughly mark the halfway point of the uh, of any uh, league really. Uh, but obviously we focus our attention on the English Premier League. Uh, obviously, it's not been uh, the halfway point. We're just about 14 game weeks in, give or take a few. And uh, uh, still uh, a long way to go. But uh, uh, let's say some uh, traits, some characteristics of how this Premier League season is going to be have emerged. They have, uh, you know, some teams have uh, shown basically what we can expect. And, you know, teams which uh, should not be taken lightly at all. So we're going to talk about uh, a roundup instead of just talking about uh, the game week that happened. I mean, we will mention the scores that have happened in the past uh, two weeks, which we haven't covered. We will mention those, don't worry. But uh, we're just going to do a quick roundup of how the teams have performed so far. Does that sound like a plan to you? Sounds like a plan. And at the very outset, I'd like to point out a statistical uh, novelty. Mm-hmm. We have teams on 20 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, and 27 points. How about that? Fantastic. So, uh, we've got teams lined up all the way from second place to 11th. And uh, after 14 weeks in, I do not remember this close a season in recent history. Yeah, case in point, uh, the gap between the first place and the 14th place is 14 points. That's just about four games here and there. And, you you know, the, you might see a big shuffle up and down the table. You never know what what's going to happen. Let's kick us. Let's kick us off with. Uh, uh, let's start from the bottom. Start from the bottom and then we'll work our way up. All right. Obviously, the, the team that's performed the worst so far. Uh, no secret here. Sheffield United. Two points from 14 games. Zero wins. Almost unheard of. And uh, at this point, uh, it's an obvious bet that they will definitely go down. Do you see any any uh, respite, any return possible for Sheffield United? Do you see the manager surviving another till the end of the season, maybe? Well, Sheffield United are a curious team, aren't they? I mean, they performed so well last year. And to go absolutely bottom, it just, you know, it, it beggars belief. Um... I don't think they'll survive. Let me say that at the outset. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at the math, they have about 24 matches and they need to get about 40 points because yeah. they've got none from their 14 matches. So how is it that they're going to manage in these 24 matches um, 10 victories, first of all, and at least 5 or 6 draws to get to about 35-36 points? So that means they need a positive result in two-thirds of their matches. And that's not going to happen, is it? Well, I mean, they, they really haven't shown any signs of that happening. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they're not, uh, they, there are no encouraging signs for Sheffield United. I mean, uh, they, they just can't uh, get, seem to get, uh, you know, their feet together. And it's, that's, we've talked about this and, you know, it's the same manager, it's the same team. It's not like they've lost players. Like, for instance, Wolves have lost some really important players. Some to injury, some have been sold. But uh, they continue. I mean, I mean, Wolves obviously will come to them. They're not performing their best. But Sheffield United, mind you, it's it's terrible. And Sheffield United, like Leeds are this season. Sheffield United were the team to watch last season. 
I mean, they were amazing with their counter-attacking football. And Chris Wilder was hailed as uh, one of the most, uh, you know, up-and-coming managers to crack it in the Premier League. But uh, struggling to make a difference now. And uh, moving on, talking about struggling to make a difference. Slavin Bilic has been sacked by West Brom earlier this week. And the relegation messiah, Mr. Sam Allardyce is back in the Premier League. How? What is your opinion of Mr. Sam Allardyce? I mean, Well, he gets the job done, doesn't he? <laughs> There's a reason teams bring him in, one and only uh, one job. Mm-hmm. And uh, the bookmakers have uh, responded. Uh, odds on West Brom surviving have been uh, uh, raised. And, you know, uh, now West Brom look like uh, with Big Sam steering the ship. Remember, to escape relegation, you don't have to, you know, uh, overturn the cart. You don't have to, you know, uh, do something impossible. You just have to beat three teams. And right now, West Brom, if I look at the table, they're only five points behind Brighton. And Brighton look a very real, uh, you know, candidate to get drawn into this relegation battle. Yeah. I would have put Burnley in there. But after Burnley's win against fellow strugglers, Arsenal, (laughs) Burnley have uh, sort of climbed a little, uh, you know, way up. Uh, the ladder and they find themselves in 16th. Those five teams, Burnley, Brighton, Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield United are going to be uh, relegation candidates all season. Um, Don't want to be sensationalist and include the 15th team in there, but that's a matter for further dissection. Yeah, I mean, West Brom got off to a great start. I remember it was that 3-3 draw against Chelsea and it was a game they probably should have won. And uh, personally, I would think Slavin Bilic... Uh, a bit unlucky there and uh, this was just after coming uh, you know off a 1-1 draw against man city that he was uh, you know let go a bit uh, surprising there for me and uh, again bringing in sam uh, allardyce i mean i'm 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 uh, not really a fan of these managers who just keep circulating between clubs you know i mean certain names like uh, steve bruce and sam allardyce and tony pulis and roy hodson they just keep you know keep popping up every few years i mean I, I, I don't know, but uh, well, he seems to be um, hired for one purpose and one purpose only to, to stay afloat uh, this season and remains to be seen how he does. Uh, moving on, uh, Fulham. Fulham have had a bit of a resurgence under Scott Parker. They've got some very good uh, results. And I remember the game they played against uh, Liverpool. They were, they were unlucky to not come, up with, uh, come away with all three points. They played really, really well that day. Uh, Fulham. A team, you know, which, which plays with a lot of heart. And that's what I like about uh, watching Fulham when they play uh, against any team in, in, the, in the Premier League. Now, the thing is, uh, you know, if you look at teams like West Brom, etc. And you <laughs> figure that they don't have Premier League caliber players. But Fulham recruited well, you know. In Lukman, in Mitrovic, they have a decent first choice forward duo. And, uh, you know, this is a team uh, a, a young manager can build something around. You know, at least get them halfway up the table. Uh, they've got Lamina, Kamara, they've got Anderson, who's a good defender, you know, veritable uh, man-mountain. So, it it uh, is one of those things, I think it's a combination of uh, experience, nerves and just bad luck that Fulham find themselves uh, all the way down in 18th. I do think Fulham are the ones you expect to, you know, have an edge in the relegation battle. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I do hope uh, Fulham come out. I mean, I've uh, spoken uh, highly of uh, Scott Parker. I quite like him as a player. Uh, I hope he does well in his uh, managerial career and doesn't end up getting the sack like everybody else. 
Uh, moving on, we're going to skip past some teams which are uh, very forgettable. Brighton and Burnley, we don't really care about them. I mean, if they get relegated, big whoop. I mean, no offense to their fans, but who cares? Now, a team we do care about, or at least one of us does, a certain Arsenal languishing in the 15th position with 14 points. How has this season been so far? And if you had to, if you had to sum, it, sum it up in like a, a Twitter-sized response of 140 characters, what would you give me? I actually only need four characters. Okay. The answer is 2020. Okay. Yep. The way the year's been, that's been the year for an Arsenal fan. Okay. <laughs> Utterly forgettable, a black void of a year. Mm-hmm. What do I say about Arsenal that has not already been said on the internet? We've had impassioned fans saying this is the worst thing ever, sack Arteta. Everybody out, right from Arteta to Edu to all the players. Then we've got some reasoned, more seasoned sort of fans who are like, yeah, okay, give him time. The players aren't responding. Bunch of bad luck. We need to solve a creative problem. I'm a bit in the middle. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, Arsenal have about 11 defenders on their books. This club is a study of leadership and management failure. Mm -hmm. If this club were a company, this would be a company that would be losing market share quarter on quarter. Okay. This would be a company where an uh, expert would come in and say, I don't know what they're doing. They used to be so good. Now they are, you know, a loss-making entity or profits are dropping every season. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the equivalent of what they are doing. We have a bloated defense, but none of them barring one or two, are good enough for a Premier League team. Mm -hmm. They are so bad that they can't even be loaned out to Premier League clubs. No Premier League club would take a player. Callum Chambers is the only player who was able to secure a full-season loan last season. And even then, he had to come back to Arsenal. There aren't any takers for these players. You know, Mm -hmm. Mustafi apparently has a great agent and, you know, there are rumours of him going to Barcelona. Well... Congratulations, Barcelona, <laughs> if you sign Shodran Mustafi. Uh-huh. But yeah, all right. And then we've got some has-beens, you know, David Luiz, who are making... I mean, the defenders are so bad that they're making David Luiz look good. Mm-hmm. All right. And we've got some flops, Kolasinac, uh, Socrates. We've got some untested, unproven players who promptly got injured when they got here. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at Pablo Mari. I'm looking at, uh, you know... Blow hot, blow cold, uh, Cedric Suarez. Mm-hmm. And you've got 11 defenders, but I'm going through the list and only one. Gabriel Megalahez is Premier League standard and he's a guy who was signed this summer. Yep. So, okay, credit to him. And then you look at midfielders. We signed Villian and we continue to play him. And Villian was a player that wasn't wanted by Chelsea. And we signed, re-signed Dani Sabayos on a season-long loan and he's a player that wasn't needed by Real Madrid. So, by taking these players... Are you putting out a message into the world that we will take players that aren't good enough for your team? Mm -hmm. This is like a company signing an employee who has failed at another company. Would you sign a CEO who led another company down? Mm -hmm. You know, let let his ship sink? No, right? So why would you sign a player? So it, it beggars belief what Arsenal are doing. So there's a lot of chatter in the in the media as as always because uh, it's it's a former it's a great club which is now you know struggling and uh, obviously there's this talk I mean you've you've read this this talk of uh, relegation already now realistically 
as an Arsenal supporter and you know you're obviously close to it so you're probably uh, the best person to ask is because the fans the teams you follow you end up uh, being their biggest uh, you know critics as well I mean amongst your own fans realistically where do you find uh, where do you think Arsenal are going to end this season? Uh, if you remember I said that the first realistic game mm-hmm. that we will win and this was after our defeat at Burnley uh, I said will be at Brighton Mm-hmm. Since then, we've gone to Southampton and drawn. Uh, and we've lost to... Um, which team was it that beat us last time around? Everton. Mm-hmm. And now we've got a game against Chelsea. And nobody in their right mind would expect us to beat Chelsea. We hope, but nobody will expect us to. And then, voila, the next game is against Brighton. Mm-hmm. So my prophecy has come fulfilled and if they lose to Chelsea and play against Brighton I'm sorry to say but that is a relegation six-pointer because a mixture of bad luck a red card here and there which Arsenal seem to collect and all of a sudden you're 16 games in and in the relegation zone so what what do you make of it I mean there's no other way to put it but Arsenal are uh, in a fight for their lives. And you look at this roster, you've got a bunch of players. You, I mean, your best midfielder is a 19-year-old. And you've got a bunch of players who are husbands mm-hmm. on bloated contracts or simply don't care. So if you don't have good backup, even if you sack the manager and sign somebody else, who's going to get the 25 extra points that Arsenal need to survive? And where are we going to get them from? No, as a as a as a supporter, do you think Arteta should stick around? Do you think it's his fault? Or would you like to stick with him till the end of the season or get get a replacement? So with Arteta, I have one big problem. Okay, and uh, we talked about this briefly, but I'm going to mention this here. What is the definition of insanity or lunacy? Mm-hmm. It is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Yeah. Arteta is guilty of that. He's sticking to playing Villian. He's sticking to playing Lacazette. And he's not giving enough time to Maitland-Niles. And off late, when Emil Smith-Rowe has been made available, he's playing Danny Ceballos. Mm-hmm. Now, with Villian, Ceballos and Lacazette, you've got three ineffectual players who are doing nothing on the pitch for you. And they've done nothing on the pitch all season. Lacazette is at 31 points in the Fantasy Premier League. Mm-hmm. 31 points with 14 games in. Yeah. This is the centre forward of your team. I mean, where do we even begin? I mean, yes, Aubameyang's been misfiring, but he's a talisman and when he gets the chance, he puts it away. How many chances do you give Lacazette? Yeah. For that matter, Villian, in 14 games or 13, if he's maybe not played one or two, has had one shot on target. Wow. And he plays in the front three. Name a guy in the entire league you know, at least let's let's name a guy in all the five major leagues of Europe who's had one shot on target playing in the front three of his team. So this is the size of the hole that Arteta has dug himself into, mm-hmm. and I say dug himself into because he's the guy who insists on playing these players. If he plays a Reese Nelson and doesn't get a performance out of him, we will forgive him. But to play Villian, to play Lacazette, play Danny Ceballos, who couldn't pass to save their lives. That is a crime. And for that, he must go. If he persists with them through this holiday period and if Arsenal do not climb out of this hole, 
Arteta must go. Mm-hmm. And that is for the sake of Arsenal's future. We don't want to be struggling in February with 20 points yet to get and playing places like Brighton away and Crystal Palace away where you know that we are there for the taking. And all of a sudden, if we're 10 games to go, you are, you know, 12, 14 points short, then you've had it. No one's going to have mercy on you then. You think you're going to go away to Man United or Man City and they're going to have mercy because Arteta is the coach? Of course not. So, before things get so bad, they should be arrested. Like they say, you know, prevention is better than the cure. Wow, some very uh, passionate words from a long-term Arsenal fan. I mean, uh, remains to be seen how Arsenal's uh, season ends up. I mean, it's it's clearly the talking point of the Premier League so far because, uh, well, let's say clubs have underperformed, some clubs have overperformed, but so far, I think the story of the league from the table that I'm looking at is has to be uh, Arsenal about halfway in we're at we're at uh, the point in the in like we mentioned we're at christmas basically which roughly marks the halfway point and Arsenal find themselves uh, 15th uh, with 14 points out of 14 games that's that's almost unheard of but uh, well let's see what happens now uh, moving on <clears throat> uh, Leeds United clearly they've impressed but uh, they have played a very uh, swashbuckling attacking football but they also have the worst defense in the entire league they have conceded 30 goals more than anybody else even the last the, the next team is 19th which is west from those conceded 29 but leeds are 14th but they have the worst defense bielsa clearly loving that uh, attack mentality and he doesn't hold back he does not let his players relent in fact there was a very interesting statistic which was mentioned by michael owen during the during the match if football matches were were you know uh, you know scored based on the distance that the players are on leeds united would have beaten every single team that they've played against so obviously the work rate is there the passion is there the drive is there and bielsa clearly instilling uh, that quality in his players but leaving themselves wide open uh, at the back and that's pretty much uh, what happened at old trafford a uh, couple of days ago where they got thumped 6-2 Uh, by man united uh, and that was a clear uh, you know clear cut indication of how they leave themselves uh, vulnerable leaving so much open space and united uh, you know made them pay so yeah that's leeds united for you We, you know you never know where they're going to end up they might uh, you know get those results and stick around i do think they'll stay up this season but uh, i think it's next season where they've had a few transfer windows where they get a chance to build up on their team uh, is uh, you know when they will uh, show their true colors Now uh, moving on a few other teams which uh, I mean really can't really be bothered Crystal Palace have been a mid table team since god knows when I mean they've just they just hang around that 10 11 12 13 mark you know you don't really uh, you know it reminds me of the old Sunderland team you know they used to just lurk you know just lurk around that mark they're not going to win nothing they're not going to end up in european places they're not going to get relegated Everton used to be a team like that like some 10 years ago and they just like hang around that mark they're just clearly unremarkable nothing inciting except maybe Wilfred Zaha that's that's pretty much it crystal Since- crystal palace much like their name are a two word team and mm-hmm. the two words are wilfred zaha you yeah. mentioned it pretty correctly mm-hmm. if it weren't for his attitude problems he would have already had a move away he is yeah. that good a player but uh, minus zaha this palace side is relegation fodder with zaha they are a lower mid table team and you said it yourself they're going to lurk around there until they get their act together And speaking of uh, one man teams uh, Newcastle United pretty much uh, being kept up by uh, one man Callum Wilson who has uh, been in prolific uh, goal scoring form he's Newcastle at 12th with uh, 18 points and uh, with a game in hand in fact uh, 
So yeah, I mean, again, very unremarkable. They're just going to lurk around. They're not going to do anything. So we're not going to bother with that. No, Wolves. With, have, with yeah. Newcastle, I'd like to point out two things. Mm. So they uh, they hinged their fate on uh, Miguel Almiron mm-hmm. uh, being the midfield maestro, and this guy had a setback uh, last to last season and also a majority of last season. And this guy is a very celebrated player in the U.S. national team. You know, they are they're pretty much uh, calling him the. American Messi, you know, uh-huh. uh, they will build his build the US team, uh, which is apparently going to be the next uh, team of you know uh, highly rated players around him. Now, this guy, I think, he's not gotten back to his best after his injury. That's the sad part. The other signing they made, Joe Linton. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy was a you know big bet. Unfortunately, he's not firing for them. Mm-hmm. Now the the irony is that a guy they signed from a relegated team. Is the guy who's keeping them in that position, which yep. is like you said, Callum Wilson. Yep, and uh, they obviously rely on one other player, uh, Saint Maximan, but uh, he apparently has tested positive for COVID. So if he is in your FPL team, time to ship him out. Now, moving on, uh, I mean, we've talked at length about Wolves. I think it's a team that we both like, and uh, they played really well uh, last season. They were in the top, I think, six or seven for the longest time, and eventually they slipped down again. Uh, again, missing the likes of uh, Diego Yota and uh, obviously the injury to Raul Jimenez. We don't know how long he's out. We still don't have a official word. They have slipped up a bit. They're now in 11th. They had, they got off to a really good start, but uh, clearly, uh, you know, uh, slipping down for a bit. But they did get some good results uh, this weekend. And another team, speaking of good results, uh, West Ham. I mean, they're clearly doing something great. But again, falling off the pace down to 10th now. Uh, 14 games played, 21 points uh, with a positive goal difference. Now, David Moyes. Pretty much getting back to his old uh, days of Everton, where Everton were a formidable team and they could have the occasional upset. Now, West Ham got off to a great start and they were in the top five or six for quite some time. Now they slipped all the way down. West Ham, where do you think? I, I think I still think they're going to end up pretty much where they are right now, around the tenth, eleventh spot. I don't think they're going to make it to the European, uh, you know, European spots. Do you? Do you uh, concur, bro? So, I would like to differ from you uh, on two aspects here. So, mm-hmm. Wolves, uh, you know, the problem is, of course, Jimenez has uh, gotten injured and the midfield, uh, you know, the replacements haven't come in. But Wolves, I think the problems are in defence. Last season, uh, they shipped 40 goals throughout the season. And this season, with 14 games in, they're already halfway there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, they are a team that uh, scored only 50-odd goals. And yes, Jimenez scored uh, most of them. But their problems lie at the back. Now, with West Ham, where I differ from you is, I think they'll finish higher. Mm-hmm. I, I fancy Aston Villa, Southampton, uh, even Everton to lose some steam. Mm-hmm. West Ham, actually, this result uh, reflects poorly because they got thumped last night by Chelsea. But uh, it was a more even game than, you know, the scoreline suggests. And they've got some very good players who are having good seasons in Cresswell, in Jared Bowen, who's been a good signing. And, uh, you know, uh, this guy is making the absence of uh, Mikhail Antonio and the misfiring Sebastian Holler uh, look not too bad. So, Bowen and Sushek, uh, they are uh, pretty much chipping in with the old uh, set-piece goals. Yep, okay. Uh, clearly, I mean, uh, some. Uh, I mean, West Ham are really an interesting team uh, this season. I mean, they've done uh, wonders, David Moyes, really, uh, with, the, with the squad that he's got. Now, moving up to the uh, the interesting uh, bits, the top 10 uh, of the Premier League uh, table at the moment, we are obviously going into uh, Aston Villa. Now, they've had an interesting uh, season. 
Jack Grealish uh, is a completely renewed uh, man. I mean, obviously they are they're ninth right now, having played two games less compared to uh, pretty much everyone else. So that's and they're on twenty two points. So that's essentially if counting, let's say we count those uh, two games as wins, that takes them up to twenty eight. And with that, they're second in the league. Well, uh, that's not going to happen mm-hmm. because one of the games is against Man City. And uh, Jack Grealish, you know, he's in the form of his life. And uh, let's be honest, he's not going to stick around at Villa. Mm-hmm. So, rumour has it that Liverpool are favourites to sign him. And he's considered the long-term replacement for a combination of Milner and Henderson. Mm-hmm. And indeed, if that's the replacement, you know, and he's their long-term, let's say, even a long-term captain potentially, what a signing he would be. An Englishman for an Englishman and an upgrade at that. Yep. Yep, completely agree with you. I mean, uh, Grealish was obviously talked about, uh, you know, for Man United for the longest time. They were talking about signing him, but uh, doesn't quite didn't quite justify his price tag. I think they'd slapped a price tag of around 80 million on Jack Grealish. I don't think he's that level yet. But uh, well, he he's one guy who can uh, walk into the top six, any of the top six teams really from Aston Villa, let's say. Now, another team which is, uh, let's say, not uh, had a great season so far relatively is, uh, is Man City, uh, so-called uh, the best manager in the, in the world, Pep Guardiola, struggling a bit. Uh, he finds himself eighth, having played 13 games and scored uh, 23 points out of them. How has Man, uh, Man City's season been for you so far? Well, clearly the problems are in the goal scored department, aren't they? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the only team uh, who've not scored uh, above 20 goals. And I'm looking at all the way down to teams like Newcastle, Crystal Palace and Leeds that have more goals scored than them. Uh, in fact, in the top 10, uh, Man City have the lowest goal scored. So clearly, Aguero is a big miss and Jesus is not uh, all that he was cut out to be. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, Ferran Torres has still not uh, chipped in as much as he would expected uh, to, you know, have him. And uh, well, you know, the likes of uh, the City did have a big win uh, just the other week uh, with um, Sterling and Barres and Gundogan all chipping in. But uh, clearly, you know, far behind, they've just scored 19 goals, like you said. It's it's way off. And I remember there was a statistic which is being talked about in uh, on, on the, the live telecast. City are behind... In terms of everything compared to themselves last season, in terms of shots, in terms of uh, you know shots on target, possession, uh, you know pretty much everything, goals scored, points per game, everything they're just falling behind uh, in terms of um, you know man said in terms of how they were last season. And for me, still the biggest miss has got to be David Silva. I don't think they've uh, you know replaced him uh, you know sufficiently enough. But yeah, uh, remains to be seen uh, where City end up. That'll be a bit of an interesting uh, story because it's still not over. It's still uh, a long way to go. Let's see if they can gather some steam and find Well, there is a statistical term here uh, mm-hmm. and I'll use that. It's called regression to the mean. Mm-hmm. Or, or or is that... Uh, yeah, I think it's regression to the mean if my memory serves correct. Basically, it says that even outlying statistics over time, they will revert to the average Mm -hmm. and that is what we are seeing you know with Sterling having a breakout season two seasons ago he's not chipped in as much as they thought and De Bruyne by his standards is having a much quieter season than a Mo Salah or uh, you know one of the usual suspects Mm -hmm. so with those two gone really the goals have dried up and you're right they haven't replaced David Silva now Bernardo Silva was supposed to be his long-term successor 
but they are not starting bernardo silva this season that much yeah. any any thoughts on that bro yeah i don't know what that's about and i think because they've missed uh, david silva their their plan of attack has changed now i remember a few seasons ago city were ruthless in their in their attack through the center david silva playing on the pivot and uh, de bruyne making those runs even bernardo silva making those runs uh, past him and de bruyne just finding himself at that edge of the penalty area for that last through ball to aguero or jesus or whoever was playing now i find themselves coming from the wings with sterling coming in from the left and maris coming in from the right and pretty much nothing happening through the center they just have uh, fernandinho as a defensive mid and you know uh, de bruyne are trying to pull some strings maybe gundogan trying to pull some strings but it just doesn't it's not happening i think city have changed i mean or they've had to change uh, their attack strategy but uh, it's not shown the dividends yet i mean they're not they're not that bad i mean they're still eighth and with a game in hand mind you but uh, yeah clearly uh, a change in strategy and a change in tactics for uh, pep it might take some time for them to get used to it i mean ferran torres has come in they they playing uh, jao cancelo who's a, a defender playing all the way up uh, you know and walker on the all the way up as well i mean they've they've changed their attack and i i in the past i think city played some really uh, exquisite football over the years you know with as much as i hate to say this with david silva in the middle it was fantastic to watch how they would create these goals but uh, just not the same uh, man city this season just not uh, the same i mean far from it to be honest now moving on uh, to the next spot a team that has surprised everybody uh, former mid table team is now 7th southampton is now 7th uh, with uh, having played 14 games uh, and scored 24 points southampton a breakout season possibly the best so far i agree and uh, this is a team that is the opposite of regression to the mean this is a team where everyone uh, seems to be playing above average uh, st- uh, starting from the goalkeeper mm-hmm. alex mccarthy he, he seems like he's playing for a spot ahead of jordan pickford in the english team come euros yeah. and uh, let's talk about the defense i mean westergaard and bednarek mm-hmm. they're having great seasons both of them at both ends of the pitch and then you've got uh, Ward Prowse, who has been hitherto an unlooked or an overlooked kind of figure, and all of a sudden he's scoring these worldies as if he's David Beckham 2.0. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, bro? I think it's uh, I think it's great what they've done. It might be a managerial thing. Uh, he's really come in and uh, you know instilled. And I remember playing uh, Southampton. It was a tough game, and they really they took us. Uh, they were two two goals up in in no time at all, and both. uh set pieces one from a corner and one from a free kick i mean unstoppable uh, goals both of them really but uh, yeah southampton really putting in the hard work and getting the dividends obviously obviously a player that you haven't mentioned is uh, theo walcott even he's chipped in with some goals and some great uh, position play some great runs and some great uh, assists as well he's getting in some really interesting positions mind you playing with a broken wrist he's got that thing on his uh, i think it's his left wrist but uh, playing through the pain apparently Theo Walcott uh, completely changed man I mean we obviously admired him I remember you had a few Theo Walcott t-shirts uh, while we were growing up but uh, yeah playing for a different side now and clearly uh, you know, still got it Well he's an impact player and I stand by that mm-hmm. uh, but he's playing in a system that suits him yeah. and that's uh, you know the big difference he's a guy who's got a wealth of experience in fact he's probably the only guy mm-hmm. and hear me out this is the weird start of the week which if you check on the fantasy premier league website has got points right from the 2006 7 season how about that wow that is that is quite something so does that make him the oldest player it definitely i think makes him the oldest or the most experienced premier league player mm 
Yeah, I can't think of anyone. I mean, even United have a squad. I mean, who's the oldest player at United at this point? Is it is it Daheya? Because he was a Sir Alex signing. And uh, well, if you probably count, if you count Phil Jones, because he's technically still in the squad. But uh, well, you know, if we live in a world where Phil Jones is the most experienced Premier League footballer we have, then uh, God help us. Now, the next team we're going to talk about, and mind you, last week we were mentioning that the season is pretty much going to be Klopp versus Mourinho. Now, Spurs are now sixth. 14, point, 14 games played, 25 points. Spurs uh, tend to travel up and down the, the table quite frequently. They just, with I mean, they have some great convincing results, some big victories, and they just slip off a bit. Well, I won't read too much into their position because uh, this is now a table that's super congested right from 11th up to 2nd. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Spurs were apparently title challengers last uh, week. And I told you that the Liverpool and Spurs match would be pivotal. Yeah, And uh, they lost. And it was a hard one to take for Mourinho because he had words with uh, Klopp at the end as well. Mm-hmm. I don't think Tottenham are at Liverpool's level. They are essentially a two-member team. And we know the two guys. We don't mm-hmm. need to mention them here. Now, the thing is, when they don't score, Tottenham lose. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And yes, Hoybier is a good signing. He's a good defensive midfielder. Yes, Eric Dier has had his world-class moments. But these guys are not consistent. The only two world-class players this entire squad has are Son and Kane. And this, as much as it pains me to say this, is a hark back to the arsenal of the Ozil Sanchez era. Mm -hmm. Two players carrying a team of average players through the season. Yeah. And just to reiterate the results that happened for Tottenham, they drew with Crystal Palace on the 13th. They lost to Liverpool on the 17th and then they lost to Leicester at home on the 20th. Now, one point from three games and they find themselves uh, slipping. Now, another team which tends to, you know, do the upsy-daisy up the table is Chelsea. Still inconsistent, still struggling to find uh, that winning uh, resurgence. I mean, they did uh, win against West Ham, but prior to that... Chelsea lost 1-0 to Everton on the 13th and they lost 2-1 to Wolves away at uh, Molyneux. And uh, well, the next game happens to be against a certain Arsenal. So Chelsea... Well, wouldn't I, wouldn't I love to beat Chelsea again? <laughs> uh, I mean, we beat them in the FA Cup and mm. arguably, this game is even more important. If mm. we beat them, if we beat a fellow top six, I mean, Arsenal top six, ha-ha, right? <laughs> but if we beat a fellow top six, I do think it can get our season back on track. Uh, I don't even think if we beat Man City tonight in the Carabao Cup, it's going to meet, uh, mean too much. Mm-hmm. We need a result in the Premier League. A season shake-off kind of result. Uh, an earth-shattering result. And beating Chelsea would be that kind of result. Uh, fortunately for Arsenal, Ben Chilwell's been taken off injured. Yeah. And there's only half a chance that he will play this weekend. Mm-hmm. And with Chilwell gone, their threat down the flanks is pretty ordinary, if I say so myself. Now, what they lack in defence, they make up for it in midfield, where uh, Mason Mount and Hakim Ziyech have played uh, well in spurts. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, their big signings, uh, out of the big signings, only Ziyech has uh, you know, really taken off. Uh, Havertz has not. He's played well in spurts. Mm-hmm. And Christian Pulisic has been in and out of the team. So, this is a hit-and-miss midfield. 
But with Werner and Abraham up top, you always fancy them to score. Yeah. Which means Arsenal will have to do the one thing they can't do <laughs> to win, which is score. Another thing I like to add is, and this is uh, a big, uh, you know, uh, upside in my FPL thing. Uh, Chilwell obviously had to be taken off after ten minutes, and I immediately subbed him for Reese James, who is also a Chelsea defender. Now apparently Reese James too is injured. Now he needs. knee surgery apparently it's being talked about so chelsea a bit compromised at the back you know they're both attacking uh, wing backs we know they like to play up uh, chilwell and reece james now both of them out so we are, let's remains to be seen how chelsea uh, cope with their uh, absence but uh, yeah i mean chelsea phew, hard to say really hard to say i mean i would give them another season i don't expect fireworks yet from this chelsea side maybe another another season another transfer window or two and uh, we could be looking at a serious uh, you know european uh, team which can uh, you know deliver the goods now uh, let's move on let's focus our attention to another team that has gone up and down and up again everton sum up well, everton on for the me. bounce they've won thrice now and i remember people questioning where their season's been going but uh, they've won three on the bounce now and three very uh, important results they beat chelsea they beat leicester and then they beat arsenal And next wow, I didn't realize that was their three-game uh, group. And they face Man United next in the Carabao Cup. So, well, there you have it. Well, Everton, uh, I mean, they they benefited out of two things, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, uh, not enough has been said about him. I reckon uh, a lot has been said about mm-hmm. him. Uh, but another key thing is when Rodriguez is gone, uh they have found another way to play and mm-hmm. win yeah you know in the middle when rodriguez went out they struggled a bit but now the system's been changed i think evobi and uh, sigurdsson are playing a very important role in this uh, renaissance and um, you know they've got dukare who's been arguably one of the signings of the uh, you know window they he signed from watford mm-hmm. when they went down and what a man mountain of a signing he is yeah and uh, of course with calvert lewin in that form and you know you've got a guy like uh, you've got a devil like richarlison in your team uh, you you're always fancy now the the weak point about everton which i want to talk about is not their defense but in goal jordan pickford always has a mistake in him always has a bit of an error a bit of a misjudgment or as we saw in van dyke season ending injury a bit of a wild side to him now he went unpunished there yeah but you know he's the kind of guy who's probably going to be red carded if any yep some very good points and i think calvert lewin is a great uh, fpl asset he's always a goal or an assist uh, you know in the making it's it's always there uh, a must have definitely in my opinion at least from everton now surprisingly bro in third place is is a certain uh, oh, i don't know it's a, it's a certain team called uh, manchester united far from everyone's uh, expectations i mean they were technically having the worst season ever uh, a few just a few weeks ago or a few months ago i should say and now they're third with a game in hand well if this is your crisis season give me a crisis <laughs> any day of the week but uh... It looks like something's working for United. Uh, I would uh, chalk it down to one man, Bruno Fernandez. Mm-hmm. You've got to wrap him up in bubble wrap and keep him safe all season. Uh, when he plays, when he comes on, your team's a different team. All of a sudden, he's unlocking those runs that Martial and Rashford make. He's making everybody around him look good. Mm-hmm. He's the kind of signing any team would welcome. You know, he's the kind of signing we. 
expected Thomas Party to be before he got injured. You know, uh, the kind of impact, maybe not the same creativity, but the impact is what we expected. Unfortunately, Thomas Party had to go get himself injured. Seems to be an Arsenal curse. I don't know if they need to dig up the pitch of Emirates and relay it or something to <laughs> undo the hoodoo. But what a man. What a signing, Bruno Fernandes. Um, people have been saying this about United that they've been lucky with refereeing decisions and penalties. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not in that camp. I think they've made their own luck this season. Yep. And uh, here's an interesting uh, stat for you. In the last 10 games, in the 10 uh, games that have happened in the Premier League, United have registered the most points compared to any other team. Even more than Liverpool, mind you. They've scored 23 points, I think, in the last uh, 10 games. So, yeah, there you have it. Quite quite a comeback. And I'll tell you what, the thing about Bruno Fernandes is that he's not had his best time yet. And that's the kind of player... I remember back then when Rooney used to play for United. He would have these games where he would just disappear but he would just need that one second that one instant where he was in the right position at the right time to get a goal or get an assist he's not played one of those traditional uh, you know Bruno Fernandes killer passes those defense splitting passes or those through balls to Martial over the defense which just left completely left them completely exposed he's not done any of that but what he has done he has he's popped up in those areas especially for instance the game against uh, Leeds that we had the third goal that he scored it wasn't his best game, but he showed up at the right point. The ball kind of you know ricocheted around a bit, and it fell kindly for him. And he hit a pile driver of a shot straight, uh, you know, across uh, Melier in that goal. No stopping that. But that's it. That's the point of Bruno Fernandez. That he's a man who will get you points, who will get you goals, who will get you an assist, even when he's not playing at his best. And couple that with a with a player like Marcus Rashford. The, the 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 drive, you know, the, the belief and the commitment he has for the club, it's unparalleled. I mean, name one other academy graduate in the entire Premier League who has that caliber, that dedication for his home club. I, I dare you. Tell me, is it Phil Foden? No, I don't think so. There is no other academy graduate. And that's where, you know, it's they call it the Man United DNA. You know, you build that appreciation, that love for the club. That's why players stick around at United for so long. But uh, yeah, clearly United doing something uh, really well. And I'm, I mean, I'm upset that uh, we got knocked out of uh, Champions League. That was a bit of an upset, especially after the start we got off, uh, ourselves off to. But uh, third in the Premier League, about halfway done with the game in hand. Not too bad. Well, will we have a United versus Liverpool season? Is that what the Premier League needs? Haven't had that in a while. But uh, yeah, I'm already, I'm totally up for it. And I mean, let's not jump the gun. Again, it's all, Roy Keane has said United are back in the title contention. I mean, let's just, you know, slow down our horses. We know, we all know what kind of uh, performances United can show up with the day Harry Maguire decides to, you know, put his, uh, you know, his wrong boots on or whatever. We don't know. You know, United are fully capable of completely throwing this away and ending up 19th. I don't know. Remains to be seen. But uh, as of now, I'm quite happy. And another well, thing. Well, uh, hmm. you spoke about Rashford, and he's the guy I hope Bukayo Saka turns out to be wow, okay. in three or four years' time. Hmm, fantastic. Now, another team which will be uh, very happy with the way they've played their season is a uh, certain Leicester City. Now, Leicester City, a frequent uh, visitor in the top four camp. Well, uh, you know, now they. Uh, almost are asking to be let into the big seven club. Yeah. Or if Arsenal are to be put aside, then <laughs> the big six club oh, minus man. Arsenal. I mean, they've got quality all over. They've mm-hmm. got this guy, 
Wesley Fofana, mm-hmm. who's been a good signing. He's a young kid playing well. They've got James Justin, who's doing very well in defense. They've uh, done all of this without, uh, you know, Castagna having the best of the season. Mm-hmm. So he started off well, but he's trailed off. And then in the midfield, they've got a whole bunch of quality players. I mean, look at them. James Madison, Tillemans, mm-hmm. Ashley Barnes, and Dennis Pryor. Yep. And then they've got enforcers like Mendy. Mm-hmm. And they've got Ayose Perez for creativity. These are six midfielders. And I would happily take any of these to at least be an impact substitute yeah. at Arsenal. In fact, I dare suspect you will happily take James Madison as well. Oh yeah, he was talked about uh, for, for a potential purchase. James Madison and Jack Grealish were talked about uh, for United, but uh, that didn't happen. And another point for Leicester, I mean, talking about players at both ends, Jamie Vardy, of course, but they have Kasper Schmeichel in goal. We all know what uh, pedigree he comes from. He's a fantastic goalkeeper. He's uh, Denmark's number one right now. Fantastic goalkeeper. I think he's uh, done a really good job. He, I, I remember I was watching this, uh, the last game they were playing. And uh, the other team had uh, their, uh, I think it was Spurs they were playing against. They had, uh, I think it was Son or Kane. Somebody was through on goal. And he shot wide and it was obviously heading towards the bottom corner. But Michael stuck out a leg. He's obviously a tall man. Saved it and uh, kept them in in contention. I mean, fantastic goalkeeping from uh, Schmeichel. But uh, yeah, Leicester. The only weakness Leicester really have hmm. is that they don't have a replacement for body. Yeah, that's true. When they play Ian Acho, he's yeah, just two steps down. And you know that... That man's uh, that man's Limani has you know is arguably up there with the worst signing of the season. Yep. He uh, not not the season he was signed two windows ago, but uh, he's the guy who they reinvested some of that Mares money into, and he has just done nothing. Yep. So once again a case of the Lamella curse. You know mm-hmm. you reinvest the bail money and you buy a bunch of darts. The same things happen to Leicester. Now if Vardy were to get injured today. Leicester would fall out of the top four and how? Mm-hmm. Because I do not think, they, they'd probably do alright for two or three games, but they would start dropping points uh, because nobody else can play that style. Yeah. You know, you spoke about Marcus Rashford. Marcus Rashford is Jamie Wadi, only 10 years older. <laughs> He's got the finishing of a devil. Mm-hmm. He's a fox in the box. He's got the heart of a you know, loyalist. Yeah. That that kind of loyalty that money can't buy. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. He's the guy who stuck around. Mahrez didn't. Out of that magic season. Mind you, another player they lost uh, was N'Golo Kante. We don't talk about him much. But uh, a big, big miss. But uh, Leicester have coped and how, you know? And I would say Jamie Wardy's decision to stick around. I remember back then he was linked with Arsenal. He was linked heavily with Arsenal. But he stuck around and, well, it looks like it's it's working for him. He's destroying corner flags. He's scoring for fun. I mean, what a guy. What what a guy, I tell you. I mean, he should definitely be getting more uh, England caps in front of, ahead of uh, some of these other players, uh, especially from uh, Liverpool and Spurs. I mean, those players are terrible. But, uh, well, there you have it. Now, obviously, the last team left uh, in the league uh, is uh, the league leaders, Liverpool. 14 games played, 31 points. Uh, resurgence of form, I mean, a minor setback they had early in the season with the loss of uh, Van Dijk. They have seemed to have uh, coped. A makeshift defense with uh, Fabinho sometimes playing there or uh, uh, Matip playing or uh, Gomez playing. They've had a bit of a makeshift defense. And I think for the first time, finally, I mean, we all know uh, last season it was Robertson and Alexander-Arnold just 
pouring in with the assists. But they have been absent for the longest time. Now, finally, I think Alexander-Arnold and uh, Robertson pitching in and uh, Liverpool finding their uh, proper fighting rhythm again and dismantling teams for, uh, for fun now. Now, this team has got quality through and through. I mean, uh, you know, Van Dijk got injured, Matip stepped up, Alexander-Arnold and Robertson were blowing hot and cold. You know, their academy graduates uh, stepped up, Nico Williams, etc. You had Salah and Mane missing, Jota came in, you had Firmino missing, you know, somebody else chipped in with the goals. You have Takumi Minamino, who is finding his feet now. And, you know, this is a team that's not going to go away lightly. It will take a mammoth effort to beat this team. Because even without four or five first-team players, I mean, count with me through their squad. You've got Van Dijk and Gomez. You've got Jota and Milner, who arguably is their first substitute. Mm-hmm. We are not even talking about Thiago. Yeah. yeah. The guy who came on and just started playing as if he's played in Liverpool all his life. Mm-hmm. We've had, we've got these four missing and we've got Firmino who was out for a while. And still this team is top of the table. Yeah. And now they're starting to win in the old comfortable style without, you know, any team giving them a run for the money. This is very worrying. And unless Liverpool drop points over the next few games, already they've opened up a four-point gap. This gap was zero mm-hmm. last week. Now, it's a four-point gap. And if you look at the fixtures that they're up against, uh, they are playing um, West Brom at home. Okay, you fancy them to whip West Brom. And then next week, uh, who do they have? Let's take a look. Uh, Well, they have Newcastle away. Again, not too hard a fixture. And then over the New Year weekend, they have Southampton, which is okay. It's a tough game. So, if they get seven or nine points from these three games, you're looking at potentially a six-point lead over the second-place team. And with half of the season gone, a six-point lead is pretty handy. I think it's already become a game of catch-up. Liverpool have uh, that lead now, like you mentioned. Uh, Other teams have to keep up. Otherwise, Liverpool, like last season, are just going to run away with it. We know they can. They have that quality. They have that squad. They have that manager. They have that drive. They have that belief. And, uh, well... I hate to say this. But anyway, bro, uh, I know it's early. It's quite early. Give a, give me your top four for the season. How is it going to end? Give me your predictions. Well, I hate to do this. Yeah, but right. uh, now that you've asked me, I do think it's going to be Liverpool's title to lose. Mm-hmm. So Liverpool up there. Yeah. I'm going to go with... Uh, No, slightly controversial, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to stick to my early season prediction of Man City being second. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I I do think they'll catch up. I don't think they'll catch up all the way to Liverpool, but it'll be, it'll be, I mean, Liverpool will win it. They'll win it, but not as comfortably as they won last season. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to go with uh, Man United and Tottenham. Mm -hmm. And I do think Leicester with their reliance on Jamie Wardy and the Europa League campaign. You know, Thursday nights are pretty hectic. Mm -hmm. Unless they give up on Europa League altogether, Mm -hmm. I do think Leicester will miss out simply because of squad depth and over-reliance on Jamie Wardy. So, Liverpool, City, United, Tottenham. Those are my top four. Very interesting. You think Chelsea are going to slip out of the top four? Very interesting. 
Well, I would never pick Chelsea. So, <laughs> as much as the stats say they're good, I wouldn't put them in my team. Mm-hmm. Well, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I think uh, United are going to win the season. <laughs> First, Manchester United. Second, Liverpool. Third, Spurs. Fourth, Chelsea. Bro, when we do this podcast in two weeks' time, after four games, five games have been played, <laughs> I'm going to come back and ask you the same thing. You know, How do you feel about your prediction about Man United? I, I don't know. Well, I, don't... I hope they're in a good way mm-hmm. because I've been associated with two brands who've sponsored Man United and who currently do sponsor Man United. So I'm a bit of a United neutral now. From an come on, as, as an Arsenal fan, who would you rather watch win the league, Liverpool or United? As an Arsenal fan, I would rather watch Arsenal win the league. Well, but that's not that's happening, not is it? Happen <laughs> in the next, I don't know how many years. Uh-huh. Between United and Liverpool, I would rather Leicester win the league. Fantastic. Great answer. Great answer, bro. Very, uh, very informative. But yeah, my top four. United, Liverpool, Spurs and Chelsea. I think City are going to finish out of the top four. I'm pretty sure. Everton uh, probably going to be fifth and Southampton and Villa can sort themselves out. But... Uh, well, quite a lot of games. Uh, I have play. a question for you in turn. Hit me. Where do you think Arsenal will finish the season at? Uh, I think they're going to have a, a rough season. Anywhere between 10th and 15th, I think. So you're predicting that they'll bottom finish league. outside the bottom top half. half? Bottom half, definitely. Bottom half. They won't get relegated. I'm damn sure about that. I mean, this is just... Uh, fodder for uh, you know these uh, media outlets. It's not going to happen. I think it's it's going to be a, a building. It's going to be a season where they're going to look back and they have to build on it. They have to make some tough decisions, Arsenal. And uh, well, I, I don't see them uh, penetrating uh, the top half of the table. So definitely between tenth and fifteenth for me. I think. I mean, sadly, obviously. But uh, yeah, that's my prediction. Well, I'm going to go with a tie. Mm-hmm. with the previous season's finish and I'm going to peg them at 8th. Alright. Alright, there you have it. Some uh, very interesting uh, predictions and do let us know if you agree with us and uh, you know, give us your predictions. See, uh, tell us where you uh, end up because this is the kind of season where basically everyone's got uh, a different opinion of how teams have performed and who's going to take the lead and who's not going to take the lead. We don't know. We don't know. It's just been that kind of a season. And uh, we still have a long way to go. Like we said, it's only 14 games in. Uh, games in. We have another 24 games uh, to be played. Uh, game weeks to be played, in fact. But uh, yeah, far from over. Far from over. It could be, uh, I mean, like you said, bro, f- four or five weeks from now, a month from now, we could be having a very different uh, rhetoric. So we don't know anymore. Remains to be seen. And uh, needless to say, this has been a very interesting season so far. That I agree with. Alright, brother, thank you so much for joining us and uh, see you on the next one. See you on the next one.